Hello for the second time this week. I'm Meg Linehan back with another episode of Full Time, a podcast about women's soccer from The Athletic. We're down to the final game of the NWSL Challenge Cup, and today I'm joined by Steph Young of All for 11 to dissect the semifinals, preview the championship match, and talk about the tournament as a whole. And we also got into plenty of your questions from Twitter, which will get as weird as you expected them to. But first, let's catch up on the news. We're recording all of this episode on Thursday, July 23rd, and we'll be talking a lot more about these games, so I'll keep this part brief. In Wednesday's first semifinal, the Houston Dash defeated Portland Thorns FC 1-0 with the game-winning goal provided by Rachel Daly in the 69th minute. The game was a fun mix of the night game was a fun mix of NWSL After Dark Energy mixed with NWSL Chaos Cup. The Chicago Red Stars had gone up 3-0 on Sky Blue FC before Sky Blue came storming back and struck twice. Ultimately, the comeback did fall short, and the Red Stars advanced to the final with the final score of 3-2. That means our NWSL Challenge Cup final is set. The Houston Dash take on the Chicago Red Stars this Sunday, July 26th at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. If you're in the U.S. and Canada, the game will be on big CBS, but also streamed on CBS All Access. International fans can watch on Twitch. Now, the league will be looking for an increase in viewership thanks to the return to CBS, building off the 572,000 people who tuned into the tournament opener between Portland and North Carolina. There is also obviously major news from Los Angeles this week. If you caught our bonus episode, you know all about that. But also just reported today on Thursday at The Athletic, Sam Mewis has signed a contract for a year-long stint with Manchester City. Rose Lavelle is also weighing an offer from the team. So major implications about what the rest of the year is going to look like for the U.S. national team, NWSL. I wouldn't get too panicked about what this means for the NWSL at this point, though, just thanks to the state of the world. So if you want even more on that story, again, you can check that out on The Athletic. So first, we're joined by Steph Young. Again, we're going to talk NWSL Challenge Cup, your questions from Twitter, a lot of content about the Boston Breakers for all of you back home in Boston. Here you go. All right, let's let's start with Challenge Cup. Let's start with the early game because the early game um, had far less chaos. Rachel Daly sending Houston through. Portland, I, I think Caitlin Best probably had the best, no pun intended, tweet about this with Portland fell on the grade, grenade of North Carolina so other teams could advance. Did you did you see anything from Portland in the semifinal that that felt like old school Portland where they really had a shot? I felt like Houston really dominated that game. I'm just wondering what your watching experience was like for for the first semifinal this week um i thought they missed Lindsay Horan a little bit in the midfield i saw a heat map of christine sinclair's activity and it's what you want from her but it you know that kind of withdrawn or the that central attacking mid function where she's kind of as she moves in her career she's moving further and farther and back and it's kind of functioning almost as a 10 now but um, without Lindsay Horan available, there's no one there to release her to do anything else. So I think that's they missed that a little bit. Um, I saw some stuff from Angela Salem under pressure. That I was like, oh, that hurts because I, I really want you to succeed. I love how many minutes she got, but you can tell maybe the rust is there a little bit. But, you know, what better time to come back than, than now? If you're going to make mistakes now and get knocked out, it, it probably hurts a lot less than 
in a regular season. So, yeah, I did see some stuff that I enjoyed, and I liked Morgan Weaver and everything, but I think Portland hilariously had some of the same problems as Sky Blue yeah. in that final attacking third. Yeah. So that, I mean, I feel like that's that's fair. Also, I mean, Portland, by the end of that tournament, you know, it was how many players can you actually get in a starting lineup that are going to be capable of of playing significant minutes and how many people on the bench can you have that are going to make a significant contribution just I mean at at this point I feel like the challenge cup is almost like a war of attrition in terms of you know team with the the most health (laughs) remaining standing and currently as it stands that is Houston um I felt like Houston has has really started to find its stride what are you what are you seeing out of Rachel Daly in particular I actually thought she didn't have the greatest game. Um, She's still clearly a centerpiece for Houston. They really look to her to get the ball into attacking position and then to, you know, play off of her and get into the box. But she didn't have the sharpest game. Houston overall didn't have the sharpest game. Um, So it's not just her. It was like a a team-wide thing. Um, But I think she has really you know, reemphasized her importance to the team. Although, honestly, right now, I think Christy Mewis is more important to that team. So if I was telling you, you know, one player to watch, I wouldn't necessarily single out daily. I'd be like, watch what Christy Mewis is doing over in kind of the background in the midfield. I do enjoy how so far we've already singled out two former Boston Breakers, which may or may not be intentional, though I, I fully assume we will hit Boston Breakers at some point in this conversation. Um... Love the fighter jets here in Vermont. Anyway, let's let's get into the second game. The second game was where we were texting each other pretty much the entire time and <laughs> suffering a little bit in in again some kind of old school Boston Breakers fashion. Yeah. Sky Blue FC really really pushing for that upset, that late upset against the Chicago Red Stars. Chicago Red Stars going up three nil and then allowing Sky Blue to really get back into the match. Um, I was extremely impressed by both McCall Zerboni and Mitch Purse. Again, we have a common thread, both former Boston Breakers players. Feeling like the the thing that I compared this to is the 2017 NWSL championship and seeing North Carolina lose that game and seeing – their emotions, particularly McCall's or Boney. And that was kind of the origin story, I think, um, of the North Carolina courage in terms of the 2018, 2019 seasons that they had. That kind of reminded me last night in terms of watching the two of them interact, seeing them almost collect themselves throughout that press conference. But what, what did, what were your overall impressions of Sky Blue FC through this tournament? Do you think they overperformed? A little bit, based on their first couple games. I think we need to add Ifiana Manu to our list, another former Boston Breaker. I was watching this game with my partner for a couple minutes last night, and I looked at the screen, and I was like, she was a Boston Breaker, she was a Boston Breaker, she was a Boston Breaker. And my partner was like, maybe you need to stop pointing that out. It feels like <laughs> you're hurting yourself unnecessarily here. But um, I thought Sky Blue definitely improved through the tournament. And I actually was really impressed with the way that they responded to going down two down so early 
maybe part of it was that it was kind of fluky, right? Because you couldn't have predicted Estelle Johnson's going to pull up with a hamstring injury. Freya Kuhn confirmed it was a hamstring. You couldn't have conf- uh, predicted that and that, you know, the ref wouldn't see it and play would continue and Chicago would capitalize. I don't blame them at all for, you know, taking full advantage of that. And then, you know, the second goal coming so quickly is while Skrosky's on and they're trying to adjust, they're still rattled. And then you could see that huddle, right, where McCall's or Boney's like, <laughs> you know, telling them something. And I really, I like the way they responded. And I think they did that throughout the tournament. It wasn't their only case of kind of mentally earning their way back into the game. And Sky Blue definitely dominated Chicago for periods. Like if you look at a picture of Chicago's like touch map and activity, they really sat off of Sky Blue for a lot and absorbed. And then second half, they came out, McCaskill really powered her way to a goal and they sat off again and absorbed. Um, I liked what I saw. I, I'm still a little wobbly on the personnel management that happened and the lack of adjustment in the halftime. Sure, the team, as it was playing the first half, was doing some good stuff, but were they creating scoring chances? No. no. So <laughs> if you're doing everything great on the field except creating a scoring chance, I think you need to make a change. And eventually I did, but, you know, it wasn't quite enough. Yeah, I, I do want to talk about Freya a bit in terms of you know, I think one of the main storylines through this tournament has been Mitch Purse and where she is on the field. And I, I do think, you know, obviously we do not have access to the full range of data or training performances that are happening or or ongoing things with Sky Blue starting 11. But Midge Purse, I think, is generally accepted to be one of the premier strikers uh, and attackers in the NWSL. And she is currently playing as an outside back. For Sky Blue. Allie Wagner during halftime, I think, came up with a plan that pretty much all of Twitter has been begging for this entire tournament, which is getting Imani Dorsey on the field and pushing Mitch Purse up into the attack. And I mean, we, we saw from that second goal in Sky Blue that was entirely Mitch Purse, right? Yeah. Like making that that huge run, forcing the own goal from Julie Ertz. Where I, I think we saw a couple of games where Midge Purse's outside back did really work, right? That she really did have good performances. I guess the question is, if you're now looking and let's say we're, we're not going to have soccer in NWSL or meaningful soccer in NWSL, what is the one adjustment? I have like the signing that I think Sky Blue needs to make between now and the 2021 season. What do you think the key adjustment is for Sky Blue between now and then? I so badly during that game wanted to be like, you know what both of these teams need right now? Sam Kerr. (laughs) And I was just imagining a huge hook like coming on stage and just yanking me off before I could complete her name. Right. Uh, Because it would, it would have been more of a a troll tweet than anything else. But I think with Mal Pugh available to Sky Blue FC, because what we saw from Anu Manu is she's an incredible holdup player she can beat people on the dribble 1v1, but the finishing is not really there. So I think it would be interesting, instead of playing her as the highest player in your formation, with like if you're doing a 4-2-3-1 or whatever, is to bring her back more into more of your central attacking mid um, and give her more options to play off of. Because we saw a lot of times her option was Paige Monahan. And Monahan's okay, but I don't think she's a Mal Pugh. 
I think she's a, a, a solid piece for Sky Blue as an attacking option. But if you can imagine Anumanu getting up there, doing her hold-up play thing, and she has options to um, either look for pulling the game wide again through Mal Pugh or, like, you know, doing something clever to play through the middle or break a line with, uh, once again, Pew, Monaghan, or Purse, who we saw still had an engine late in the game because she's doing full-length field sprints. Um, I, I I really want that. <laughs> and, we, and we saw when Freya was subbing in more people, Vien came in and Eddie came in. Yeah. Uh, but with Vien, yeah, it... it I was really glad to see Vian come on and Anamanu not come off. Right. Um, and I think if Kujo had also stayed on, that Kujo Anamanu combo in the midfield enables them to open up more opportunities to break that last line. And now they have more options to run on because you saw Anamanu a lot of times trying to feed someone and make and, that yeah, final no pass. Su- no support there for no her. Support. For, yeah. And I was like, she's doing all this good work for you. <laughs> and you're just like, I'm not hungry and throwing it in the trash. Right. You know? So, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm curious to see what you think is like a, a final piece here that could have turned the tide. Yeah, I think for me, you know, Estelle Johnson, I think, showed, again, uh, her quality throughout the game. But I think you need to upgrade uh, next to her at the center back position. I think you really need to find someone who can... You know, I, I think we've seen how that worked for the dash in terms of Megan Oyster and, and Katie Notton and having those two uh, presences on the on the back line centrally. I think Estelle Johnson is definitely the one to to build around on the back, back line. And the question is, can you get another piece next to her and have that be another player? Maybe someone, I feel like Estelle tends to really stay home, right? Like, can you find someone... I, not like a Julie Ertz because you're not going to find another Julie Ertz, but someone who's who's maybe a little more willing to also get involved in the attack and and make those connecting passes, right? The entry passes, like almost think about what Allie Krieger has been doing as her shift into the center back position and having those entry passes from a center back. So that's I think my number one on the wish list for Sky Blue FC for 2021. But I do agree that. You know, the question is, when we see them again, how does Carly Lloyd fit into this team? How does Mal Pugh fit into this team? Like, we we have seen a version of Sky Blue, but it is not necessarily the version of Sky Blue that they intended for us to see this summer simply due to injuries. So I do think I'm very interested to see whatever the finished product with this team is. I think Carly Lloyd right underneath Anumanu to run on to her holdup play could be very entertaining. And like a, cause the, I thought the, the Woldmo, Cujo, Zerboni midfield was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure there's a space for Carly Lloyd in there, although I'm sure she would disagree with me, but we've seen that she's kind of moving more into a forward position, like a nine. Right. And I don't know, maybe that's something she and Anumanu can work with there while keeping your your midfield trio intact. Yes. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think you necessarily need to drop someone out of the midfield in Sky Blue in order to get Carly Lloyd on the field. Because I agree. Like I thought that the Cujo Zerboni Walmo midfield was probably one of the better ones of the tournament in terms of at least promise, right? That we've seen. 
I do. I mean, both of us had Carly Lloyd on our uh, best 11s in 2019, right? Like she, she yeah. has proven to be a clutch player for Sky Blue when they yeah. need her. And she has also proven that she's able to kind of make things happen on her own. Now, the real question is because they have actually started to do some of this work to build up the team as an actual team, then how do you reintroduce her back in? But I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily buy the theory that Carly Lloyd is going to blow up the work that we've seen from Sky Blue in Challenge Cup. I do think that potentially adding her in as almost like a, maybe a false nine underneath Anamanu could be the right play for them. I would love it. I would like to see it. <laughs> All right. Let's let's quickly hit the final. Uh, we have not really talked about Chicago too, too much, but Chicago is, I think, clearly kind of the more known entity at this point as we, we head into the final. They are also carrying a number of injuries. Um, after the match, Rory Dames said he is hopeful. Casey Short will be back in the mix for the Red Stars. What... I personally hate doing the prediction game um, as to who's going to win. I think that Houston-Chicago is going to be probably a little bit closer than folks might expect. But what are you? What are your thoughts on the final so far? I don't know. I think a lot of it may depend on how tired everyone is. Um, for example, in the first half of Sky Blue Chicago, Kaleo Watt took Sabrina Flores for a ride multiple times. And then as the game wears on, you know, the minutes are piling up on the legs. Maybe not so much. They, they made some adjustments there. Um, and I don't know if they're going to be able to bring that same, you know, uh, wide play against Houston. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have the energy for it. Um, I do think both of these teams are, though, at, at a similar level of exhausted. But Houston might right now have the edge, barely. Mm -hmm on the depth of their bench. Um, not even in terms of talent, just in terms of who can literally still run at this moment. Like who can run faster than a jog right now. Right. And honestly, that might make the difference. It might not come down to like tactics and mm -hmm. plans and skill. It might come down to who has the gas. Yeah. And yeah. if Houston has one more bar in the tank, yeah. score in the, you know, either score in the first 15 minutes and then you're able to absorb and force Chicago to chase and waste all their energy. And then for the last 30 minutes of the game, they can't do, you know, anything almost swore. Um, or, you know, you, you sit back. I don't think Houston's going to sit back though. Uh, that's not really their bag, but you know, and then once again, you force Chicago to chase and then the moment they're tired, bing, bang, boom, US to daily. Right. We've seen it work. I mean, I'm, I am kind of curious to see how Shea Groom is also going to play into Houston's efforts. I feel like she's been a little quiet, obviously, daily getting the goal. But I, I am hopeful that we get maybe one more Shea Groom absolute banger before this tournament ends. I think she's had two of the better goals of this tournament. I think Midge Purse had that volley off the clearance gone in. Might have had <laughs> the slight edge, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I honestly rate Shea Groom equivalent to Rachel Daly to her, in terms of her equivalent, uh, importance to that Houston Dash team, and she may end up being the person who makes all the difference for them. Who do you think is the difference maker for Chicago at this point? <sighs> <laughs> you think it's going to be Julie Ertz? 
she's got an bowl hanging over her yeah she has she has an engine she might be you know willing to take it more to to houston than colaprico or di bernardo right now um mccaskill maybe Mm-hmm. She she also doesn't have as much of a load on her as maybe Ertz has had. And um, Rory said in his post-game last night that, you know, he kind of lit a fire under her butt at halftime of the game, and it got some results. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is always extremely hard to bet against Julie Ertz, um, deciding that she wants to be the influencing factor in any game. But also, you know, for all the talk that we've had about load management in this tournament, right, which has been quite a bit and not all of it productive, Julie Ertz did clearly come into Challenge Cup fully fit and ready to go, got a little bit of rest, right? But I mean, we have seen Julie Ertz play through a million NWSL games and U.S. Women's National Team games. I mean, last year I was essentially running the Julie Let Julie Ertz Take a Nap campaign, right? Like she is fully capable of of pulling out um, an incredible performance, uh, I think pretty much whenever she feels like it. So I think it is always hard to not point to her immediately as who the team can live or, or die by in any single match. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, you just never know when that weird, like, near post Juilliard's flick on header <laughs> is coming. You just don't know. Yeah. She, and I, I feel like, I don't know. You never, I get one corner kick and Jane Campbell maybe doesn't, doesn't react in time and we're done here. But I think we'll, we'll wait for Sunday and see how far on or off the mark. <laughs> <laughs> we are. I feel like every time I've attempted to make a prediction in this tournament, it has completely gone awry. So that is why I'm trying to avoid making any real predictions. I feel I feel very bad for Sandra, who is forced to make goal goal scorer predictions <laughs> every single pregame because they just will immediately be proven wrong every single time. Um, penalty kicks. Alyssa are shooting on Jane Campbell. That's. I would, I honestly don't know if I would hate having penalty kicks and having Campbell shooting on Nair and then Nair shooting on Campbell. I, I would like to see that. All right. Let's, I asked for questions uh, from the folks on Twitter. The expectation of this podcast was that I was going to be firmly roasted. That has not happened yet. But I do, the, the first question that we had texted each other um, from our mentions was uh, Jackie asking, origin story, how did the two of you meet, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, so some backstory for those of us, or for those of you who don't necessarily know, like Steph and I have known each other a while. Steph was also present and um, gave a speech at my wedding. So I would say we're, we're good friends. Um, I'm willing to leave the official designation of that up to you, but if you would like to perhaps fill in the blanks for those of us who, or for those of the the folks listening who do not quite understand our entire deal on social media, uh, we can fill them in. I'm I'm wondering if there are people who are in your, who just think I'm your bully online. (laughs) Like I'm just relentlessly harassing you and you're like grinning and playing along, but deep down you're like, who is this? Why won't you leave me alone? It's like, yeah, you can still think that, but (laughs) I, I don't know we met in 2012 i think we were talking 20- online by 11 yeah during the world was, cup yeah world cup and some breaker stuff and then we met in person at a 
was that in Texas at the national team game? It was in Philadelphia. It was the okay, send-off sure. game before the, the Olympics in Philadelphia. You you spotted me in a parking lot. I was with my former roommate and a friend, and I think you spotted me across the parking lot, and suddenly um, I feel like you might have been slightly intoxicated because that was both when we were attending as fans, um, and suddenly there was a person behind me being like, Meg. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I had no idea what you looked like because that is how you roll on the internet. True. And, and now look at me yes. on, on, you know, the Megaletic podcast. <laughs> yeah. Times change, man. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the Boston Breakers and our long, long suffering experience with the Boston Breakers. How, I don't even know where we want to start with this. <laughs> I think, I, I guess, you know, neither of us would be doing this without the Boston Breakers in some form. I go back true. to them to WSA days, but I mean, both of us were really around for WPSL Elite days, which uh, for new fans, I should definitely explain what WPSL <laughs> Elite is, um, because you probably have only experienced the relative joy that is NWSL and not the nonsense summer that was WPSL Elite between the demise of women's professional soccer and then the eventual formation of NWSL. But WPSL Elite was kind of this put together effort by the WPSL to ensure that pros would have a place to play. And it, it featured, you know, Boston Breakers, Western New York Flash, um, I'm trying to uh, Chicago, ASA Chicago, Charge. ASA Charge. Um, the the New York Fury, correct? Right? They were a team, I think. I don't know if the Fury specifically. It was it was a Long Island team, to say the least. Yeah. I feel like I should have Wikipedia WPSL Elite before starting this podcast <laughs> to give myself and my brain a refresher on that summer. But regardless, you know, we had kind of semi-pro college kids also coming up to Heather O'Reilly after Boston Breakers games asking for selfies on the field. So... That was that was that summer before the NWSL. But when your your journey into this world is kind of the same of mine, but also slightly different. And let's let's um, get your version of your time with the Boston Breakers. Uh, I came on board at WPS, so I still have like inaugural season ticket holder merch, like my little um, stadium chair and stuff. So that would have been 08. Uh, I was already in Boston for college and I was like, why not? And um, kind of wish I could go back in time and be like, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you don't know what you're about to do to yourself. Right. You think it's so innocent. You just go down to the stadium every other weekend or so. You sit by yourself. I was also, <laughs> does it surprise you? that I didn't go with friends. I just went by myself, sat silently, watched the game, and then left. That checks out. That makes sense like, in my... I, yeah. would, I would tweet about it. And then people right. at the game would see the hashtag and be like, hey, you can come sit with us. And I would just be like... <laughs> no, thank you. I'm good. Like, like strong Alyssa Nair at her own birthday, just like refusing <laughs> to enjoy myself. Right. Yes. Anyway. Um, and I did that for a couple years and then it folded and I remember I went off on a little tirade on Twitter. Um, when am I not doing that, I guess? And then WPSL Elite was the bridge. It was like Leslie Osborne did handshake deal that league into existence. 
and um, oh, SC Indiana played, but SC yes. Indiana at that time was basically like the Haiti women's national yep. team. Yep, with Shek Burakowski as head coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so WPSL Elite was a, a very was interesting, a in, an interesting data point. <laughs> and um, and then the Boston Breakers won. They had Kaya Simon. I think she lit up and scored like. 17 goals or something or like 14 mm-hmm. goals that that season and it gave me all these weird uh unearned expectations <laughs> about <laughs> boston's performance going into nwsl um i mean that first season they were fifth they missed mm-hmm. the playoffs really narrowly and i just i literally remember cat whitehill an interview that you, that you did with her after they had ditched lisa cole um who may end up having a better record than some of the coaches that followed her. Uh, yeah. And Kat Whitehill was just looking at the camera and being like, mm, cause she, she had had to come to Jesus with the players. I think she put it and it hadn't yelled anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of the beginning of the end. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely had um, our, our mutual friend, Mark DM me the other day and to be like, would you have ever, if someone had come up to you in the stands at Dillboy and said, hi, Meg, you're covering, you're taking photos at WPSL Elite right now for Equalizer Soccer. Do you know that someday you're going to have a full-time job covering women's soccer? And also you're going to interview Natalie Portman as she brings an NWSL team <laughs> to the league in its, in its eighth season for the 2022 season. And I just, like, that was the thing that kind of like was like, oh yeah, let's let's actually put how far we have all come in context. Yeah, this used to be like a weekend gig for me. I started covering the Breakers because the Bent Musket, which is SB Nation's New England soccer blog, their former beat guy had to move on. And they were like, we see you around on the hashtag. Do you want to cover the team for like basically uh, the cost of like a T-Pass? And I was like, sure, I'm, you know, I'm doing other stuff, but this seems fun. It seemed fun at the time. <laughs> Before the suffering. Before, Before the suffering. The, well, uh, maybe there was always suffering. I, I don't know. Like, by then, we still kind of had this vague hope, like, you could you could write the ship. But I think as the years wore on, at some point, I was kind of just a fan out of sheer bloody-mindedness. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's rough, because I, I love this team so dearly, but... You know, there's only so much the human soul can take before... <laughs> Yeah. You kind of become this husk. Okay. So <laughs> let's say someone asked me in the Q&A yesterday, if you had to pick an Angel City type ownership group to bring back any other old WPS market teams, who would you, what celebrities would you want, right? And what mm-hmm. market would you want? And I said, well, first of all, their answer was Steph Curry and Brandy Chastain to bring back FC Gold Pride. And I was like, why stop at FC Gold Pride when you could have Bay Area Cyber Rays, a.k.a. the most ridiculous branding that we've ever gotten from a women's soccer team in this country? But then my suggestion was Amy Poehler and a full assembly of mass holes bringing back the Boston Breakers. And I just we had a question that we addressed this. Would you want would you want an Angel City type <laughs> investment group to get into the Boston Breakers? Also, how key would it be for you that Leslie Osborne was heavily involved if that were the case? Yes, I would not automatically say no, but I'm worried about the risk of a mass hole consortium, including a Wahlberg and an Affleck. 
Fair. I think the possibility of that is enough to scare me away from wanting any kind of celebrity ownership group in Boston. Although, is that worse or better than, for example, someone like the Crafts? True, true. I would I would rather have a Wahlberg than the Crafts. That is fair. I mean, Chris Evans was also a name that came up quite a bit. I mean, he is potentially our, our leading male mass hole. Uh, I think, you know, again, I think a, a combination of Chris Evans and Amy Poehler does feel promising to me. You know, if we're going to just completely go for, for sheer fantasy, I would not hate it. But... If you could guarantee me it was Polar Evans and then kind of that ilk going in and no Wahlbergs, no Jenny Slate, just like on good terms with Chris Evans coming in as well, you know, no, no John Krasinski. Like (laughs) if you could guarantee that, then I'd be like, okay, yeah, let's, I would like to see it. And then bring in Leslie Osborne in some capacity, maybe not president, but just like, yeah, as your lead, your lead former player type. I mean, I feel like Leslie Osborne did more for women's soccer in Boston and the state of Massachusetts than probably any other human being. So that is quite a claim, but I think there's there's certainly evidence that you could use to argue in favor of that. A yeah. lot of evidence. Yeah. All right, let's let's move on from from Boston. Someone else wanted to know what our plans for the twenty twenty three World Cup are. Since it is in Australia, we have a mutual friend. Anno Dong, a.k.a. one of the greatest humans in women's soccer who has been truly leading the way on the Australia-New Zealand joint bid. I mean, I I fully intend to go to 2023, um, assuming that, <laughs> fingers crossed, I'm still at the Athletic and getting sent to events like that. Um, but, I mean, we, we survived the 2019 World Cup together. I mean, mostly. Um <laughs> Minus some air conditioning that could have come in handy with mm-hmm. a lot of bread along the way, right? Yep. Um, but what what are you thinking for 2023? So the moment I found out Australia was bidding, I sent a little text to Anne that was like, hey, do you have like a couch or <laughs> guest bedroom? <laughs> because I would like to put it in early bid just to like claim that. And mercifully, Anne... Um, did not immediately go, hey, you know, you roast me all the time in the group chat, so I don't want you to live with me to give you fuel. She was very gracious. I'm like, yeah, of course, you can stay with me. Uh, it's not like we would see her a- at all if either of us were staying with Anne. And yeah, we've experienced the World Cup and, and what that's like. Yeah, we would be busy. and would certainly be busy in her capacity, whatever it is by then, working for a football federation. Australia. She's probably going to be running the federation, let's be real. Eventually, yes, um, we can hope <laughs> that Anodong takes over the FFA and then leapfrogs to either the AFC or FIFA in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Like we, we have to hope. Yes, for that. Um, um, my plan is actually to go, whether or not I'm being paid to write about soccer at that time. You know, I've had four years to save, <laughs> so saving up those airline points enough to maybe buy an economy plus ticket with mm-hmm. points. One way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who knows what the state of air travel will be in yeah, 2023 as well? Like, totally valid. Will the world exist in 2023, or will we, we be fighting wars over water? Yeah, you know the the joy of trying to plan a decade of women's soccer in advance is 
all of the, the large existential questions that we have yet to get significant answers to. Yeah. We could be living in some kind of hellish water world dystopia, but yeah. it, assuming that doesn't happen, I'm going to Australia come hell or high water, going to post up in Sydney, hopefully, to um, pop around the country, maybe hit New Zealand for at least one game. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's just kind of my dream vacation, honestly. Yeah. Uh, not that it would be a vacation if I was working, but you know, cover the World Cup, take a week off to come back to human status, probably hop up to Korea, mm. chill out there, fly back to the States. Yeah, I definitely, uh, Marjorie and I have had conversations about how do we manage a vacation to New Zealand <laughs> around <laughs> the World Cup. So that is definitely already in the works. Um, yeah. All right, let's 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 wrap up. I've got two more um, only questions that the two of us will get, I think, in terms of... <laughs> First okay, one is great. Leanza Hunt asking, now that the Netflix VP of original content, or I think original series, is invested in the league, what is your dream NWSL-related series on Netflix? There are two things that I want. I want a docuseries about either the league or maybe one of the teams. Um, kind of like The Last Dance, but obviously minus the guiding hand of the subject of that docuseries influencing the whole thing. And the second one is I kind of want like a dramedy Mm -hmm. scripted series. It could be half hour or full hour about like a fictional women's soccer team. And either, you know, you have a a rookie joining and that's your entry POV character, or it's about uh, the trials and tribulations of owning a bottom of the table team. But maybe like a new owner comes in and is like, hey, I'm going to turn this club around with my millions and millions of dollars. And mm-hmm. people are like, congrats. <laughs> right. You know, something like that. I think that would be really great. Netflix, I'm available to help you storyboard this out. Yes. Yeah, I definitely think both of us would be happy to take any call from Netflix. I think, uh, you know, obviously there was a lot of banter in my editorial slack about a new a new show revolving around Olympia Ohanian being <laughs> owner of LA called Baby Owner uh, coming to you on Netflix. I think that would be delightful. But I also like I think that there are so many stories that could be mined for documentary or drama or comedy in women's soccer. And and hopefully we do again like this. This might be where we see more of an Amy Poehler type finally get involved. I, I feel like there are rumblings of a, a show um, that have have started for women's soccer content. But, you know, I, th- I still, I just, even thinking, like, there's still that entire documentary that got shot with the North Carolina Courage from Peter Berg's company that's never seen the light of day. And, and having seen some of that footage and knowing the content there, it was incredible. So I do think that you could still repeat that with pretty much any team, every team in the league, and and putting together a full look. I mean, we've seen that be extremely successful for Premier League clubs and all of that kind of stuff. So, I mean, ideally, I think having it being based in reality and getting like actual content around the players is a huge win. But also, I mean, I'm also completely ready to watch an animated series called Baby Owner. So, you know, that's... <laughs> yeah, something like Sunderland Till I Die, like mm-hmm. that level. Uh, I Even knowing how, I, how it turned out, you know, I, I watched that just because it's such a fascinating look at at how things can can go wrong sometimes. Right. Um, although I haven't finished season two because it was too depressing. 
As All a right. Boston Breakers fan, I was like, I can't live through this again. <laughs> we've seen, we, we've, we've lived through the war. We don't. I, need it I've again. already experienced this level of pathos. I don't, I don't need the, this emotional release anymore. Yes. So, yes. Um, we, I mean, we do know about Amy Poehler and like Abby Wambach are doing mm-hmm. that 99ers. Yes. Kind of, yes. Yeah. And they implied that it's they're going to cast actresses, so it's not going to be a straight up documentary. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, Netflix, sure. I'm, I'm also available for that project. <laughs> All right. Last question, which somehow also uh, involves roasting us both. But you are trapped in a New York City subway. Two knife-yielding villains are coming <laughs> you and Steph's way. Which two NWSL athletes do you want to beam in to help? Here's the roast. I've seen the two of you in person. Smart, funny, calm comes to mind. Not superhero strength. You'll need the help. So wait, two people are approaching us with knives. Yes. So there's six people total in this scenario. Two with okay. knives, us two idiots, and then two NWSL players who we get to tag in to help us. Are we on a platform or in a car? Because the space we're in is going to find the way that we fight defensively, especially in a knife fight. <laughs> okay. You should not have asked this question. <laughs> because I I'm going to exactly take it extremely what I seriously. Getting, I knew what I was getting into. It says in an end of in, in an NYC subway. So I will I will make that read and say a subway car. Let's say we're on the A train between okay. 125th and 59th, and there's no stops. We are trapped. There's probably street performers doing their 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 whole deal at the same time and yelling showtime and then also two men with knives there's the scenario what two nwsl players magically appear to help us well once again that complicates things because the way that you deal with a fight with multiple opponents is you try to get them lined up in front of you you can't let them get behind you right so if we have numerical superiority and it's a linear fighting ground and they have knives you and I need to run and fate, <laughs> right? Sure. And if we can choose where we drop in the players, we can drop them in right behind. One of them, I guess, has got to be Megan Klingenberg. <laughs> She's probably learned some aspect of self-defense that comes to fighting an opponent with a knife. Okay. Right? And then the other one, if they're able to attack from behind, like, can they pick up, for example, like the stereo from one of the Showtime people and just bonk <laughs> them on the head? Or is this a strict hand-to-hand fight? There's a I, lot of variables here, man. There are, there are a lot of... I think since the, the implication was strength, let's say right. no external tools, hand-to-hand versus two knives. Right. Then I think you take a listener, you drop them right in behind <laughs> them, and you have her take your hand and bonk it into one of the poles. Valid. All right. I do, I do enjoy the use of a goalkeeper, particularly Nayer. Yeah, for, for use of hands. That does logically, I think, make a lot of sense. And then Kling probably has to do a flying leap to knock somebody into the pole. The use of your surroundings is going to be so important here. Yes, I do agree. I also still think that Rachel Daly would be in the mix, in my opinion. Again, I just, I feel like I would trust her with my life if she felt so inclined to protect it. So I, I do... I don't know. I feel Rachel Daly, I think, is really high up on my list. I do agree with usually I, I in terms of we've talked a lot about potential and theoretical NWSL fight clubs. And I feel like Julia Ertz is a name that comes up a lot. Marta is still kind of a name that I like a lot just for sheer spiciness. Um, sure, I would not sure. I would not want to get into a fight with her. But in terms of this particular scenario, 
I do enjoy the use of a listener. Can we bring in like Becca Moros? She's technically retired, <laughs> but she's like on a coaching staff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's really, you know, you've got to get the mix of like spiciness, willingness to throw down, and then strength. I think it's like the three. Like can keep their head in a fight. And yeah. I think, I think Nair ticks a lot of those boxes where yes. she's just like, she sees situation, she sums up and she's like, bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Very effective. Really effective. All right. That that is everything. Um, it's gonna be really I feel like that should be the one that goes on social, but probably not. Um tell the folks where they can find you across the internet. Uh I'm covering soccer for SB Nation at All for Eleven. That's their women's soccer hub, and then doing national team news whenever that happens again for Stars and Stripes FC. Uh, I have another podcast called Two Drunk Fans, and you can always find me on Twitter at Grace. Yeah, the two of us are always on Twitter, much to our own. <laughs> we, are, we are extremely like, too much online. Yeah. yeah. Now that I think about it. Yeah, you know. Um, are you looking forward to taking a very extended nap after Challenge Cup? I'm straight up going on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. That's a mood. All right. Well, we'll call it there. Thank you for the time. And I'm sure I'm sure the folks at home will get to watch us banter with each other. And by banter, I mean, you roast me and I just go, OK, thank you. So, yeah, I would use you as bait in the subway fight scenario. I'd be like, <laughs> look at her. Look at me. Which one of the two of us? A, do you think is are you most likely to be able to rob? And to be B, fair, we know that I run faster than you. That's so. true. So you just have to be faster than me in a lot of our scenarios, <laughs> which kind of sucks. All right. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> so again, thank you to Steph for joining us. Again, you can follow her on Twitter at Thrace. For those of you who are Battlestar Galactica fans, you will get that reference. Uh, one more thing, as always, I mean, if there is one thing that you can do for women's soccer this week, regardless of if your team is in the final or not, it is tuning in to CBS and watching the championship match of NWSL Challenge Cup. It is absolutely crucial for the NWSL to bump up those television numbers, keep the momentum going. Again, this is probably one of the biggest weeks in the league's history, and the final is a, a huge part of that. So that's it for this episode. And as always, if you like the episode, we hope that you subscribe. You can always follow us on the Athletic site and app, plus wherever else you might get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, you name it. If you really liked it, again, always leave us a review. You can rate the show. Again, I, I always read your reviews and I super, super appreciate them. That deal for new subscribers is still up and running for The Athletic as well. If you'd like to take 40% off of your first year, you can still sign up at theathletic.com slash full-time. You know, just because the NWSL Challenge Cup is ending does not mean the coverage is ending. I'm sure this league and women's soccer and the U.S. Women's National Team in, as in general likes to keep me on my toes and make sure I don't actually sleep. So I would fully expect the stories to keep coming. You can find all that coverage on The Athletic. Follow me on Twitter at It's Meg Linehan. Our podcast producer is Michael Zimmerman. And from The Athletic, I'm Meg Linehan. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back with you next week. Bye.